We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. <clears throat> Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, the Bearcast. That We start off with Andy just coughing in the mic just as I do the beginning, but we're going to roll with it anyways. How you doing, Andy? I'm alive. I know. you. Back from the dead. The phoenix rises from its own actors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am back from the dead a little bit. Yeah. A little bit of a zombie. You, Things are good. You're more of a zombie right now than the last time <laughs> I saw you. <laughs> well, yeah. Life is good. Signing day was today, and it was pretty damn awesome. It was very distracting to have to work and have <laughs> signing day going on and the Giants signing or trading for Evan Longoria. Mm-hmm. Just everything else in the world sort of felt, I was like, oh. God. There's a lot of stuff happening. <laughs> yeah, it was, a what a great stuff. sports day. Yeah. Something about, like, just the culmination of, of signing day is just so much fun. Just because it puts behind all the drama and everything that's happened. And, and this just sets in stone who you're going to have next year. Yeah. yeah. It's a little weird having it in December. Yeah, it that really is odd. Yeah, usually there's a little bit more build up to it. You get to watch the Under Armour games mm-hmm. and all those little like showcases, which a lot of kids are still doing. Yeah, a lot of the five star guys they haven't signed. Like it's it's they're they're going to take all the pomp and circumstance they want. Future Cal Bears, future Cal Bears. You never know. You never know. <laughs> I mean, that is what Wilcox said in the press conference. I mean, they got five slots and they're going to try and go after the best available. At that point, so you know, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure they heard that rubbing of the hands. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's start with the let's start with the news before signing day, right? <clears throat> so the big the big news was JT Shroud Shroud took that official visit to Tennessee last weekend, and I told you not to worry about it. Yeah, I said everything is going to be okay. <laughs> Don't worry about him going there. It's like, he, there's no worries whatsoever. And then he decommitted from us. He not only decommitted, but he said nothing of, I'm going to consider both schools. <laughs> he just said, thanks, Cal. Yeah. That was cool. Peace out. I'm going to announce on signing day. Like, cool, dude. Like, where do you think? <laughs> no surprise there. But yeah, good luck to him. I don't mind it. Um, I mean, he was more of those low ce- low floor, but very, very high ceiling guys. So I don't think we we felt as missed out. Like you know the you know the season that we was a couple of years ago 
with like Josh Rosen, Jake Browning, Brady White, like all those really good. Every single good quarterback that was like in California. Yeah. If we had (laughs) lost, let's say we had one of them and then we had lost them. Yeah. I think we would feel a lot more, a lot worse. But I saw a lot of people were pretty pissed about it. And I just don't think like that's the right reaction. And you have a quarterback scene. Like if I was looking at that, uh, if it just depends, like not everyone's going to look at Cal the way we look at it because we know what Cal is like. We've all went there for the most part and we have inherent tie to the experiences there and the friendships we've made. And these are 18 year old kids that are looking at it from probably like, I don't blame the guy. Like he went to Tennessee. That trip was probably ludicrous as someone who went on very mild recruiting trips to schools that no one's ever heard of that were total blast to go to a place like Tennessee with a brand new coach with a, the fans that are oh, ridiculous in touch enough to get a head coach who had signed an <laughs> offer removed. I guarantee that was probably one of the most eye opening experiences for that kid. And, and he has a much clearer path there to play. So, um, good on him. And we're, we're in a great position as far as quarterback. So I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I think in terms of quarterbacks, this isn't the class we need a quarterback. We could, I personally think we can make do without one in this class just because you have Garbers who redshirted, so he's technically a freshman in that class. Right above him, you have McElwain. McElwain. Right above him, you have Ross Bowers. And then you also have next year's senior, Chase Forrest. Yep. Like you, you have a quarterback per class that's, in my opinion, ready to all four. You could kind of just say, okay, yeah, we're going to play him this year. Um, so I know that quarterback battle is something that we're all we're going to talk about later. But so there's that news broke. That wasn't fun. And then the the news that Antonio, uh, I think that's how you say his name, Antonio Mafi took that official visit to UCLA, and he flipped. <laughs> he flipped. It was. I think I think <laughs> it was hilarious because. Let's let's flip back to the JT Shroud thing for a second, all right? Before he tweeted out that he was leaving, Cal offers a new quarterback, three-star Zachary Wilson. I think he's I think he's committed to BYU right now. Right? I think that's the signal that most people were like, yeah, that probably means Shroud's gone. Because why would you offer another quarterback this late in the cycle if you already had one in the books when this was a cycle where you didn't even need two quarterbacks anyways. So yep. Yeah, I think that's so. That's the signal there. the The mafia signal was as soon as he came back out of that OV and was, I think, interviewed by rivals or scout. And the one quote he said was, "I'm, I'm picking between UCLA and Cal on Wednesday." When on his Twitter page, under his profile, it says Cal commit. It said Cal commit. With it said Cal commit. Blue and gold hearts. Yeah, I checked. This morning, and it was at still there, ten thirty, <laughs> uh, and it still said Cal commit, and then he picked UCLA and and he switched it automatically. So, <clears throat> so I think for me personally, that's the only part I have an issue with. I understand we're we're talking to seventeen year olds and eighteen year olds. Like I understand that part, but there has to be someone in his someone in all kids like camps to be like, if you're really gonna make this decision, right. You have to be able to own up to the decision you're making and be able to say, guys, I'm thankful for that offer, but I'm going to take a step back and I'm really going to look at these two offers as much as I 
I'm committed to Cal, right? Like I'm, I'm okay with him if he had you know decommitted from us and said he was looking at all his options on signing day, decided to pick the UCLA hat. Fine by me. That's that's your choice. But to to stay committed as a Cal player up until the exact moment of your signing, like on in front of tens of thousands of people with your public Twitter handle still saying that you're a Cal commit to pick another school, heck, a rival school at over. That's what irks me a little bit. That's the same that happened with, uh, I believe it was Paco Perez last year. Yeah. Where he was still committed to us. And on signing day, he did the whole, am I going to reach for this hat? Am I going to reach oh, for this yeah, hat? Yeah, I really and then he pulled, like he pulled yeah. the UCLA hat. Like, like come on, man. Like, <laughs> just, yeah. I feel like I'm saying that just because we're a little bit older. Uh, but, yeah, I do feel... That's the only part I don't like about this of the recruiting stuff is sometimes they treat it too much like a, a game and not respectful enough of the specific schools and opportunities. Yeah. It was the one thing I will say is it was clear that Cal knew ahead of time before that moment that he wasn't going to commit. Yes. And I didn't know that until you sent it over, which was. Rob astutely pointed out that in the footer of the actual tweet announcing Maldonado, uh, did I get that right? Maldonado? Maldonado. Maldonado. Thank you. Um, Maldonado, in the footer of that tweet, it said that will be the end of the defensive commits for Cal, or the, def- the end of the early signees for Cal. Yeah, so that was earlier today before. And that was prior to him actually making the announcement. So Clearly, he had either communicated enough to the coaching staff that they knew that it wasn't happening or they had good enough signal that it wasn't happening. I don't hate it. Um, I think of there was that one. Remember that one guy who was like committed to USC. Then then he was interested in us. And then I think he flipped over to UCLA and he's actually pretty good. Um, It happens. There's like press. There's certainly precedent for it. I think to. I always wonder. It's like how is it a spur of the moment thing? But you said you know he has a tight connection with Coach Az and um, makes a lot of sense. So at least I think with that one, I'm more okay with it because he's got like a coach there that he has a relationship with. And if that's the guy that really brought him into the fold at Cal, then I think that makes sense. You know, like you kind of want to go there, but. Um, where it makes less sense is where it's just like, I'm going to put three hats on the table and, and then I'm secretly <laughs> going to lift over my shirt and be wearing none of the three hats. Uh, or he's going to be wearing a shirt and then cuts that shirt. Yeah. It's going to be a different shirt. Yeah. And then he takes that shirt off and then it's another shirt. But what we don't get as much is the thought process in institution and, and why. And I think that is lost a lot as well in, in what we comment on in the blogs and like how we treat players going different places. It's like a lot of the institution and that type of stuff really matters. And like, you're blessed to have someone in your life that says, Hey, like there's a difference in the degree. If you go to a Cal versus a Tennessee, and that will have an impact on your career later in life when you're not able to play football because football is a violent sport and nothing is guaranteed in this world. So I had people in my life when I was considering transferring to go play tennis that said, I my coach, ironically, who I was with tonight, uh, I had four other people tell me to go transfer, 
and just play because it would be worth it and different university. And he said, honestly, like tennis is awesome, but you should just go out and like if I if it was me, I'd go out and get the Cal degree because it can just get you that much further. And the other, the other option was Santa Cruz. And so I didn't transfer and like I am super grateful for that. So not everyone has that and not everyone really necessarily cares about that type of stuff too. Yeah. I think ultimately I think we can all agree it's individually it works out differently. Sometimes it works out for the best. Sometimes you look at it in hindsight and that was the worst decision you can make in your life. You just won't know until you play it out. The thing with Mafia that bums me out is just he just seemed like a pretty cool dude. Like he seemed into on Cal, like you know, he was like Really excited about it. He seemed to be like the guy for this recruiting class. You know what I mean? Like the the guy that was going to bring this class together, at least on social media. That's what it looked like. Clearly, I was wrong. <laughs> you know what I really like that Wilcox said, and this will go into a little bit more of like the recruits we did get. Was he said that about recruiting locally that. There's a unique aspect of that where your friends get to come to the games and see you play. Your family comes to the game and see you play. And you're in a, an environment where you have a ton of a support system that's behind you. And I thought that was just like a really bright way of thinking about why I would choose my home school yeah. uh, versus... Because a lot of people at college are like, yeah, well, Cal's always there for me. Maybe I, I want to go to LA and do something different. Yeah. You know, I look at Mafia's in San Mateo. A um, bunch of my friends went to UCLA because they didn't want to stay at home anymore. But that is a great way of looking at it and being like, I get to play in front of people that mean a lot to me. Yeah. So we'll, del- we'll let's delve into that. National or signing day today. We did a whole bunch of things. Andy is not drinking whiskey. That's actually water with ice. No, it's done. Yeah. But you're not crunching the ice. I'm going back to beer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I don't want the negative feedback. Uh, so here's the cool parts from this that he talked about. All right. This was, this was my favorite part. 15 of this class, all right, they had 18 signed today. 15 of the class either come from California or played their last played last season in the state of California. Whether that was JUCO or prep school or whatever. That's pretty crazy. 13 of those 18 guys played for championship winning team. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's so cool. I think that that's so cool. And he talked about it. He talked about how and he said the reason we went after those guys was we want guys who had, and those guys know what a winning culture is like, what it takes to be a winning culture. And that's incredible if that's what you're looking for. You know, the general things that he also said was he talked about how there's three things that they look for is athletic ability, of course, right? Um, academic fit. Right, and then their personality, and he said those things only come by interacting with them and seeing who you hang out with. And the coolest story he gave was he was talking about Johnny Adams, who we'll talk about in a little bit because you and I love the kid and his tape. Um, they said the week before, so in the first week, some week, right? Wilcox went out to go visit him to give him the offer. That's said and done. Following week, Bo Baldwin goes out to meet him. And apparently, when Bo Baldwin and Johnny were walking through the school, every single person wanted to meet Bo Baldwin. Not say hi to Johnny. They wanted to meet Bo Baldwin because they wanted to know the coach that would be taking care of Johnny over the next four years. 
<laughs> That's awesome. So he's, wow. he was like, whether it was a math teacher, or a chemistry teacher, a counselor, they wanted to meet Bo Baldwin just because of how special this kid was. That's incredible. What a, <laughs> That's what awesome. a kid. <laughs> yeah, what a kid. What a kid. If you have that type of relationship with people that they want to know who's going to be your mentor, like, because that's how much they care for you, that's a huge personality trait. And this was my favorite quote was when, when he was talking about that personality, he said, There's, um, we want to see if the kid likes football or likes being a football player. Those are two different things. And I was like, dang, <laughs> that's, that is exactly what I want to hear from a coach. Yeah, there was a, a something on Twitter that I saw that was said exactly that, and I thought it was cool that it was echoed in the press conference. Yeah. It, what I read was it was like uh, Cal's recruiting class is full of people, full of kids that love football, and for that reason it was like underrated, you know, something about that. And then Justin Wilcox literally echoed that exact sentiment in the class, in the conference that he said today, which is that, the thing is that every one of these kids will love football. And I think he spoke to the fact that there's trust in their ability to grind um, that comes from that. And I think what an awesome trait to go out and look for. I don't know if I've really ever heard someone specifically say, like, we're going out and just trying to get players that love to play the game. I think I've heard Wilcox say that ever since he's been at Cal. Um that's a great way of it reminds me a lot of what we talk about with like education and um you're going to be coming up against some moments where you're going to want to quit and the people that are going to push through those moments are the ones that care about it the most yeah he said uh the things the specific things they look for is he said they look for skill set physical tools academic profile and the character element that's what they look for so if if we're judging by those four things, right? Skill set. How do you determine skill set? Watch tape, go out to games. It's pretty easy. Physical tools, that's just measurements, right? That's not that's really not hard to do. Academic profile, that's trust plus understanding of like how their school system works, right? And just and the environment that has to nurture his academic side. The last part, character of character element, that that takes time and effort, because that takes not only for you to develop a personal relationship with the kid, but also a relationship with the people that surround him and influence him, because that's how you're going to find out what type of kid he is. So if if you're taking all that into account, the amount of hours you have to pour into just one recruit is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. So I can only imagine if I'm a recruit, right? And a coach is willing to spend time with not only me, but my family members around me, that's, or friends as well, that's incredible. You know, if Wilcox calls me up and he's like, oh, yeah, how's your mom doing? Like, you know, how's Andy doing? You know, like, I, I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Like, how, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't you like that? So I think they're doing, they're doing it the right way. Um, and he was talking about recruiting and how they kind of want to – they kind of want every coach to touch base with them, that recruit. And I thought that aspect was really cool where how, let's say you're a running back, right? Then the, the main guy that's most likely going to recruit you is the running back coach. Of course, he's going to have interactions with head coach, but he also wants during the week other position coaches to touch in. 
because you're going to be interacting with them on a daily basis throughout your four years here. Hmm. So he said, he was talking and he said, you know, you know, uh, what's it, Gerald Alexander might call one day just to check in with him. Nick Edwards might call him one day to check in with him. Tuiati might call him to check in with him. That type of, that, I think that builds that family aspect that Wilcox wants, is that every player, no matter what position group you're in, has a somewhat of a relationship with every other coach on the staff. And that's incredible, because now you can go up and have strike up a conversation with any of them and ask for advice and so on and so forth. So for me, getting to, getting to see that aspect of the recruiting part and how they want to go at recruiting, I thought that was really cool to see today. I also think that means accountability comes at all angles. Yeah. So you know that there's not there's not necessarily a break anywhere else, and um, you kind of have to be on at all times too, which mm-hmm. is really cool. So, yeah, there's a lot of good things to like about the, this program. Mm-hmm. Right now? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I just find myself consistently thinking like, wow, we did really well. Mm-hmm. I think we did. All right, let me... <laughs> Let me go into one more thing before we go on to the specific players. Is um, Someone asked him about the recruiting class as a whole, who they have, who they don't have, what they might go after. So the class currently stands at 18. He says, of course, roster and scholarships are very fluid, changes all the time. But as of right now, they'll have about five for, this, for February National Signing Day. And this is what he said. He said, always fluid, about five. We're going to look at defensive front, potentially at a quarterback and a defensive back at a skill position. At that point, it would be a best available. So my thought process was, let's say even if you go after a quarterback, a defensive back, that's only two. At a defensive front, that's three. So you have two extra spots left. Pick any skill position on the field that you would want to bring in. I think since you have 18 you have you'll have ten coaches. You go after every every top prospect that's left on the board, and you go after them hard. And let's say you do bring in that quarterback in Zachary Wilson, who we just offered, then that fills that spot. A defensive back, maybe it's the JUCO guy that Coach Gerald uh, Alexander coached in hockey hockey Woods, who was here on an official a couple like I think last week or the week before. So if that's the case, then why wouldn't you swing for the fences with those last three? Right? Go after every single five-star guy you can possibly call and get a meet and get an official visit for. And then even if you don't, you have an 18-man class that's coming in. And you start recruiting for 2019. I think that's the easiest way to do it. Because you have that much more manpower now. You don't have 10 guys spread across 18, 19, or 18 to 22 players anymore. That's my thought. I like that thought. Yep. I think that in the past we recruited volume, and we've cited that as an issue in the past, especially when it comes to scholarships and taking up spots with guys that were too much under the radar. So I think there's a balance there. I think you could have some guys that get overlooked that there's a nice, unique opportunity with. Um, are any of the, old, the Oregon guys still in play? I know at one point we thought there there was a trio. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't know it off the top of my head because I would have to look at who they who signed offers for Oregon oh, today. Yeah, okay, but if there isn't, I think that's a big tell too. Because if they decide to push it off till February, you can get an official visit in. In my opinion, quite a few. So we'll see how that plays out. It also it 
the big question mark here is who do you who are we going to hire as that tenth assistant, and what happens with the D line coach? Because there are rumors are flying off, you know, left and right about maybe some coaches are changing positions. You know, who will we get in at running back, or would we go for a a really top notch recruiter but not that great of a coach, or would we go for the you know what we're doing right now is going for top tier coaching guys who maybe aren't as highly touted in recruiting. If I were to say a nice little hypothetical for you, yes, I am going to give you a four-star player that will play three years and be an above-average contributor, like an average to an above-average contributor, whatever that means. <laughs> what position would you take it at for this team? For this current roster, mm-hmm. middle linebacker. I think that's for me. That's easy because right now, as as the linebacker stand. You'd have Saffel on the outside, right? And you have Kanasich and Jaron Brown in the middle. You need a two deep. And if you can bring in a four-star guy who's an immediate impact and can play and spell that middle linebacker spot as a freshman, that bodes so well for the future. Because he's going to be able to learn that position from two guys that are pretty outstanding at the position, in my opinion. And, you know, we saw what they... I mean, you and I have been talking about this for months. We saw what they did with... Devontae just this year alone imagine what what they could do with a four-star or high four-star five-star guy with three years yeah I think the potential yeah on the defensive side is really appealing I'd say that like D-line to me would be one of those that yes badly could use well that's why I think all of us <clears throat> wanted Antonio Mafia is because he would naturally his size and fit was perfect to play that nose tackle nose guard position but now it's uh, it's a bit of a question mark. I think Maldonado can end up playing it, but he's not he's not as filled into his body as Mafia's. So we'll see how that plays out. The other area I think I would say is at tight end. Mm. Might have gotten it with Castle, so like there's potential there. Um, actually, there's really good potential there. <laughs> yeah, but I think if you like take him out of the equation, I think that's the one area that. Would really, I'd love to see the offense open up a little more. Like, think about our tight end position this year. Like, we had good development, but we didn't really ever utilize the tight end as much as I think a Tedford era offense would have. Mm. Well, um, here's the thing I did ask Wilcox about the tight ends in a non press conference setting after the press conference, and he did talk about how. Um, they did improve. He he saw great improvement in that class. He wants to see them maybe get their bodies filled out a little more. And um, he talked about how the long-run evolution of that position what would be that he would have enough depth and skill sets, right? Because he was talking about how Reinwald was a really good pass-catching guy. You know, Wells was a really good blocking tight end. But they need they need to balance out the skill sets across all guys so they can fill in more. And he wants to go 11 personnel, which is one tight end. He wants to go 12 personnel, which is two tight ends. And he also wants to go, he said, at goal line, the goal would be to go 22 personnel, which is to go basically two H-backs and two tight ends. So you would go like a heavy, mm. heavy set, right, to get to push, to push into the goal. Yeah. So yeah. if that's the long-term goal, I think right now you have the foundations of getting there within two years. Because now you have Ben Moose, who redshirted in and, has a pretty good frame, and he's has, he'll have two years of conditioning under him. Reinwald will have two years of conditioning under him. 
Malik, of course. Everyone loves Malik. Who doesn't love Malik? <laughs> if you don't love Malik, man, I, I can't help you. I really can't help you. Um, and then you have a guy like Castles coming in, who's pretty outstanding. So, all right, let's get into it. Let's get into our top guys. All right, let me. I'm just gonna read through some. It's alphabetical order. Okay. There's 15 guys. We'll do like a quick 15, 20 seconds on each guy, and then we'll talk about who we like the most. Okay. All right. Johnny Adams, running back, 5'10", 195, from Indianapolis, Indiana. You like him? Stud. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about him later, so I'll move on. Nick Alton, outside linebacker, 6'5", 240, from Archbishop Midi High School, Woodside, California. So Gorsi's favorite player in the whole class. Yeah. Ian possibly Trace's favorite player in the whole class. Why? Well, look at his, just look at his stats. Combined for 112 tackles, 31 tackles for loss, 15 sacks for a total of negative 85 yards, 35 quarterback hurries during his three-year high school varsity campaign. You know why I like him? Why? 6'5", 240, <laughs> outside linebacker. That's why I like him. Well, also, his sister goes to Cal, or did go to Cal. She was a four-season... Four, four Cal volleyball player from 2014 to 2017. So wow. he does have that family connection here to come here. Of course, she's gone, though. But you know, He was a volleyball player himself. He was a volleyball player himself, which is... 36-inch vertical? Yep. Pretty good. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Guy's 6'5", 240. <laughs> Folks, that's ridiculous. All right, I'm going to... If you met someone on the street who was 6'5", 240, a 36-inch vertical... You should run away. Yeah, or or buy them beer. Like, try to be extra nice. Befriend them. Yeah, befriend them. Next one, uh, I'm going to butcher this name so bad. Chagosi Anusium. Oh, not bad. I didn't do it bad. DB61180 from La Habra, California. Cool story. His parents are actually from Nigeria. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a really cool story. Um, some of his stats, two-way player, play cornerback and receiver. Career totals of 139 tackles, five interceptions, 28 passes defended, three forced fumbles. A lot to like here, mm-hmm. um, especially under Gerald Alexander's tutelage. Um, we absolutely don't need that position right now. But you can't have enough depth, and I would I wouldn't be surprised if we initially redshirt him, and if an injury or something were to come, he would immediately be plugged in into the two deep. Yeah, I think that's. Right, because I don't. Yeah, judging right now, we wouldn't need him on the two D. It'd be yeah. a it'd be a it'd be a very good luxury. We wouldn't need him, so. Yeah. I it's, grew- it's, we still have Hicks, Bynum, and Drayden. Yeah, and that's that's not even including Trey Turner, uh, yeah, yeah. Rambo, Tarbell. Ram- Rambo's uh, a safety, right? Well, yeah. I mean, they say they list him at DB, oh, so I don't know right. if they'll turn him into safety long term or or whatnot. But okay. Next one, uh, we both like this guy. Louis Bickett, linebacker, 6'4", 215, San Diego, Torrey Pines High School. Yeah, he's <laughs> a beast. Um, he won an award. I wrote up his little like uh, preview when he initially committed, and he had just been awarded like some conference award down there, whatever, high school thing. He's really good. Yeah, he's good. He, he has like football lineage. Um, so it says here in the packet that Cal Football gave me, his dad is Dwayne Bickett, spelled, sp- uh, spent 12 seasons as a linebacker in the NFL, who totaled 1,079 career tackles during stints with Indianapolis, Seattle, Carolina, 
He earned the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year honor in 1985, a spot in the Pro Bowl in 1987. Um, he played collegially at USC, was named the Pac-12 or Pac-10 at the time Defensive Player of the Year, yep. All America, Academic All American as a uh, senior in 1984. So he has the lineage. If we could just take and do the same thing <laughs> Ohio State did with the Bosa family and do that with the Pickett family, I'd be pretty good with that. <laughs> All right, next one. Chris Brown Jr., running back, 6'1", 220, Oceanside, California, El Camino High School. This reminds me a lot of the class of Trey and Vic. Yeah, And it does. this is the hopefully maybe slightly more productive version of Vic. Yeah, this guy, 3,249 yards rushing, 34 scores on the ground with 529 carries in three seasons. Chris Brown, is, I believe, is a higher-ranked player than um, Johnny, Johnny Adams. Adams. But the hype on that tape of Johnny Adams is just yeah. too much to ignore. Let's get into that in a little bit. Oh, my, my favorite name, McAllen Castles, tight end, 6'5", 235 from South Lake Tahoe. I mean, I think I would, I would be so hard-pressed not to play this guy. Like, just judging from his tape right now, yeah. he's already such a good pass catcher that I wouldn't see why if you're within... Seven, eight yards of the end zone, you don't play him and just throw him out and just make him run a post route and just throw it up at the goalpost. The thing that comes to mind is just like how Stanford got a lot of their third down conversions against us in the big game was just Tight pairing ends. up their massive receivers and our DBs just had no chance. Like they were just lobbing the ball up in the air. And I mean, you're a 6 5 tight end versus probably like a 5 10, 5 11 uh, slot. There's corner. a lot of plug and play. Situations, even if you look at the UCLA game and be like, if you threw, had a tight end at that first and goal that we had and we ended up, I think we ended up kicking a freaking field goal, uh, that situation, having someone with that type of body there, instead of having to run our ridiculous like trick plays <laughs> in the goal, goal line situation, it changes up your whole offense. All right, moving on. This is where it gets fun because we haven't even touched the O-line yet. Oh, yeah. Matthew Sindrick, O-line, 6'4", 270 from Sammamish, Washington, Skyline High School. So all I know about him is he, like, chased somebody 70 yards downfield, and apparently Wilcox <laughs> saw it and was like, we got to have him on the team. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, for me, the O-line as a whole is something we need to talk about instead of just one specific guy. So just remi- remember that, 6'4", 270, okay, Sindrick. Oh, the, he, this, this next guy is probably the jewel of the class. It's Will Craig O-Line, 6'5", 270, Granite Bay High School in Granite Bay, California. I think he'll play immediately. immediately. <laughs> yeah. I would be very surprised if he's not at least the first O-Lineman off the bench. Yeah. Like, he might not be the starter, but he's definitely that first guy to spell. Yeah, he's in player. He's, he's, he's awesome. He's so good. The tape on that, like, I've never... I've, you know, like O-line tape and stuff like that, it's not something that you can easily get blown away by. This kid, holy crap. <laughs> holy crap. Next one is uh, early entry. Colt, Colt Doty, linebacker, 6'1", 235. Uh, he's a junior. He's coming in from uh, J.C. College of San Mateo. I know the least about him. Out <laughs> of all these. Yeah, his tape looked pretty good. He had pretty good instincts on finding the ball and tracking um, the only thing I would say is Wilcox did say for the two early entry guys, which is Colt and Lone, he did say JC guys are guys you want 
because of their body type, like how they filled in a little bit for playing um, junior college, is that you would want these guys to come in and be able to compete right away. That's the only thing for me is can they come in and be like a Marlochon type guy, right? Can can you have a guy that comes in and within the span of six months play his way into the the two deep? If he does, that's pretty much what you want from JUCO transfers. Is you want guys that are able to plug in and play that one or two year gap role because you have younger guys that are going to be good good as well. We'll see what happens in the spring. Next one, Jasper Fries from Starnberg, Germany, Aquinas High School. 67315 is what they listen to. That. <laughs> yes, humongous. <laughs> he's from Germany? Yeah, he's from Germany. How crazy is that? We're going we're going real worldwide right now, man. <laughs> the worldwide brand of yeah. Cal. He's crazy part. He was born in London, England. But he played football in Germany. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, started playing American football in 2013. He's humongous. He is a big boy. That is six, for sure. seven, three, fifteen is six, huge. Yeah, yeah. So he actually played in in the states just this past season. Um, so he he does have. It's not like he played on in an overseas league. He does have talent. He does have experience playing against in main main continent America talent. All right, next one. I think I'm missing up two, two. I did. Aaron Maldonado kind of talked about him. D line six three two ninety five. La Puente, California, Bishop of Mount High School. Two ninety five. Two ninety five. Yeah. I mean, yeah. long term, I think you see him at the D tackle position and nose guard. Like I think that. It, I mean, as of right now, he's six three two ninety five. If he can add muscle and get maybe get the three ten, I think nose tackle's easy. Dude, I think Maldonado. I think he's a freaking steal. Yeah. Yeah, co like he's defensive MVP two years in a row. Like the guys, uh, we we got very. It was just one of those things that came together rather quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, we had recruited him. Wilcox said since March. Yeah, and, and apparently, uh, like Wilcox had scouted him early, way earlier than that. Yeah, and just always had his eye on him. Yeah. So this one's huge because because of Mafi's loss, we didn't have to scramble. It just kind of. UCLA pushed him out, um, and then we ended up with this kid, which, in my opinion, works to our benefit more. Is because this kid is going to have a chip on his shoulder now because a college basically said, "Yeah, we don't really need you." Mm-hmm. And now he's going <laughs> to now he's going to come into the, a team in the same league and play them every year. Yeah, you don't think he's going to come just teeth grinding, just marking that UCLA game with you know stars and and circles and highlighters. <laughs> All over his calendar. Yeah, you'd be wrong if you didn't think that. Next one, Brandon Mello, offensive line. Here's another here's another size. 6'7", 285. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you wanted you wanted guys to be able to make some push in the trenches? Dude. You got him. You definitely got him. Uh Coach Wilcox said since we're since we got to Mello, he said, uh, where's the quote I'm looking for right now? When you see Miles. Miles Owens, oh, we haven't gotten them yet. Jasper Freeze and Brandon standing together. You want to follow them off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're absolutely huge. They're huge guys. Like I can I I'm very, very optimistic and very excited to be able to see these guys maybe in one O line 
come two, three years' time. Guys that are 6'7", 285, 6'5", 250 or something like that. And Will Craig, of course, monster. <laughs> this old line's going to be real good for the next few years. Real yeah. good in my team. Especially with Greywood staying. Whew. Whew. Next one, Miles Owens, of course. This one was a big get because he was a local guy from Bishop O'Dowd, Oakland, where Ivan went to school, of course. And also he has really talented teammates mm-hmm. for in the next class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that he could be that, hey, come on over. A believer running back? Yes, yes. Yeah. Miles Owens, O-line, 6'6", 320. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just three, three sports standout. He played football, basketball, and track field. Where does track and field make its way into shot put? I, I don't know. I'm looking at it right now, and it doesn't say. Pole vault? No. <laughs> I, I, it's not pole vault. It's, I guess it's not pole vault. That's, that's for sure. But it's three. I think uh, I think here's here's the stat, because I think that's the last alignment. Um, Cal has signed five of the nation's top 100 ranked tackles in this class. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, that's that, incredible and super underrated. Yeah, I mean, Wilcox has said this This is a very good foundation, and I think that's exactly where you hit it, right? It's because you wanted these guys where we have talent on the outside and all the skill positions right now, and you have guys like these be able to to make their way into the two deep and just provide the real, quote-unquote, depth for you know the spots that you're gonna need those guys. We're gonna run for days, <laughs> <laughs> days on end. Yeah. Next one. This was another jewel of the class. Nico Remigio, who's the wide receiver from Modern Day, five ten, one seventy. Um, I mean, there's nothing more else to say about this kid except he's pretty dang good. Really good wide receiver. Stretch guy can blow past guys too. He has pretty good speed. Pretty good hands. Plus, you played at Modern Day, which is powerhouse high school. And if you're, you know, one of the top receivers for that team, then you know you're going to have a pretty good weapon on your hands. So I'm excited for this kid because he looks pretty dang good. Yeah, it's not really one of those that's like a total position of need, but it'll be like a year from now when we're talking about the next class, we'll be like, well, we got him waiting in the wings. Yeah. Next one, athlete Evan Tattersall, 6'7", 225 from Granite Bay. Will yeah. Craig's friend. Tell me about Tattersall. Why is he being pegged so much? As like, Why is there so much hype around him? I think he is – the one quote I read from him that I loved, he said he plays both – they asked him like what position he likes to play the most and he, or like what position he, like he, he plays. And he said something along the lines of like I play, you know – I play pretty much the whole game, except that half the time the ball isn't in my hands and half the time the ball is. So he, for me, that quote alone just speaks volumes to he's a football player. He wants to just play football. And from his tape, I don't think we'll use him at running back. They used him, his high school used him a lot at running back. But linebacker, holy crap, he fills the gaps really quickly. He's able to read the the runner. I think he he's able to read the run game really well. Is what I saw, and that's a huge, huge natural instinct to have is knowing which gap the running back is going to f- try and get through, and being just being able to plug that. It's 
it's not something you can really teach in just one off season. Yeah, we saw that. <laughs> Next one, outside linebacker J.H. Tevis, 6'3", 225 from Piedmont, California, Menlo School. I think what did I read about J.H. today? Shoot, I forgot. Huge high school numbers, 283 tackles, 105 tackles <laughs> for a loss, 51 sacks, four passes, breakups, four fumble recoveries, six forced fumbles, and 40 quarterback hurries in three seasons. Does he have family lineage too? Um, yes. Uh, father and uncle both played college football at Stanford. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, he was a Stanford legacy. Yes. That's weird. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Forces his, the family to be very conflicted. His full name, I really like this. His full name is John Henry Scott Tevis. John cool. Henry Scott. <laughs> Great <laughs> Scott. Yeah, just imagine saying that in the stands. All right, next one. John Henry Scott. <laughs> Every time he gets a sack. <laughs> yeah. John Henry Scott. <laughs> yeah, that'll definitely be yeah. a thing. Yeah. Uh, Lone Toe Toa 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 Iloa. Okay, Lone Toa Iloa. D line 6'2, 265. He's the other JC that'll come, be coming in in January from Auckland, New Zealand. What is it? How are we getting these international kids? Like New Zealand, Germany, we got CU from Okinawa last year, like, and Siemenech <laughs> from, from Canada. Like, where are we? What? It's pretty awesome. It's pretty cool. It's really cool. He's one of the two. So he's the other uh, guy that I'll play in the spring. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to see him. We'll get to see him in the spring. So I'm excited for that. Last one, but not least, our long snapper, Mr. Slater Zellers from Scottsdale, Arizona. Did you watch the tape? I did. How fast does that ball go? That's what I was. That's what I was going to say. I've never seen long snapper tap, uh, tap, long snapper tape before. Holy crap! It's just like. It's, you have a hard time seeing, seeing the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and Wilcox was talking about that in the presser where he was talking about, you know, it's not the sexiest of positions in tape to watch, but they apparently really liked how the, quickly the ball snapped, the accuracy and the placement of the snaps. And I think the coolest part about his tape is when he's, when he's snapping for punts, how quickly he punts and he's off to the races to, to tackle the guy. If you watch that carefully... He snaps and he's already three steps like past this defensive lineman, gunning for the returner, mm. and that's that. I think that's huge because then now, now you don't have a quote unquote like O line, excuse me O lineman, you know trying to to run after a guy, but a guy and you know lagging behind, but you actually have a guy that's pretty much leading the line, trying to tackle. That's huge. That gives you another weapon in terms of special teams coverage. What I thought was really cool was when Wilcox was talking about um, how they really got exposure, that uh, Regal knew that this was a position of need and one they wanted to explore, even though it wasn't one that was traditionally recruited this way. And they brought in a bunch of people to camp, and they just said that he stood out so much mm-hmm. at these camps that they put on. Um, I think that uh, says a lot about how they're do- going about their business, too, and like getting firsthand looks at people and, and being able to see it for themselves and not just guess based on like what else is out there. And it shows in this tape. Like it's, well, he has Cal connections too. I think he worked out with, I think it's not, is it Sunberg? It's either Sunberg or Leducer, the, the long snapper at for the Dallas Cowboys. It's either one or the other. 
that thought he wore. Sunberg. It might have been who tweeted about it. Maybe it, you're probably right. It probably was Sunberg. I just get those. I just can't remember which one, which one was. But if you're saying it's Sunberg, I think it's Sunberg too. Um, and that was really cool because that's the Cal connection, right? Sunberg went to Cal as well. And yeah, he's pretty good. He's up for the Walter Payton Man of the Year award for the NFL. Three Bears. Three Bears of thirty NFL, thirty-two NFL teams. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So to wrap up, signing day. How many? How many do you think? Do you think we should pick from this? You want three receipt guys? Because I know my three receipt guys, and I think we're going to overlap. But are they going to be like just what's the category? I think just any, just the three guys favorites, most mm, potential. Let's say the three guys in three years' time, where we're going to say, "I told you so." Oh man, yeah. <laughs> like you're going to cash in on these kids, like in terms of saying that, like you, you, you saw the tape, and you're like, "This kid was going to be good." Okay, <laughs> that's slightly intimidating. Yeah. All right. Well, I think the one that first one that both of us agree on is Louis Bickett. I think both of us agree the kid is going to be standing. Yeah, I'd be really surprised if he wasn't. Yeah, I just really believe in that family lineage and your dad. It's just like one of those things that that's not something you can teach. That's just see it at Wisconsin yeah. a lot. Like these Midwest schools that you know, whatever it's Ohio State with the Bosa family or Ohio State with. Uh, then Laurinaitis and a couple Laurinaitis come through. I don't know. Like the, I or feel like Ohio Wisconsin had, with the Watt family. Yeah, exactly. It's just like one of those where it gets passed along, and uh, I'd be really surprised if yeah he he was he, his tape was really good. I was very very impressed. I think for the next one for me is Tattersall. I think Tattersall is going to be a really really good linebacker. I don't know where they'll quite put him. I think they might put him at outside linebacker, but he would need to bulk up a lot. I think middle linebacker plays his instincts the best because he has the athletic ability to play in coverage or fill run gaps. So we'll see. I mean, because so it's either one of two, right? Either physically he builds himself up to be able to play the outside linebacker spot, or his the mental aspect of the game, his you know football IQ just just explodes to the point where he can read the game just naturally and be able to make the play calls and the, and the right adjustments. We'll see which one it is. Yeah, I think for me, mine's, uh, and I'm going to get my Sc- Scottish or Irish brethren's name wrong, but like McCollum Castles. McCallum Castles. There you go. <laughs> Captain McCollum or whatever. Uh, yeah, I think he's, he's going to be really good. I, I think he's just at such a position of need. To me, I think the... We miss the days of Craig Stevens and having that big tight end body. Cameron Mora. Yeah, exactly. It's just been a while. Um, even Richard Rodgers a little bit, even though he played receiver for us. Like, it's Well, he did play one year. Tight end? Tight end. So he might be the one that I would say has the most, the highest ability to immediately impact this team. Mm-hmm. In this class, and and that way, I think it'll probably stand out and kind of be one of those people who'd be like, you just look at his size and athleticism, and when when Wilcox says things like this guy is throwing down windmills and dunking on people, I get visions, and I know you get visions of Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, Tony Gonzalez. <laughs> That's probably more appropriate. I was going the Charger fan route. Yeah, well, you showed me up on that one. Yeah. 
So anyways, um, he, he'd be my second pick. I think the last pick I think we might overlap on this again would probably be Johnny Adams. I mean, oh, my God. That guy's tape is just... Speed. He has so much speed. Yeah, I mean, Wilcox said, I asked him about what the difference was between the two, and he said Chris Brown Jr. is more of your your old school downhill running back, hits the gaps, you know, no no frills, just is going to beat you down the throat. Johnny Adams is just electrifying speed. <laughs> He's so fast. It's, it's ridiculous. There's one play in that tape where he breaks through to the secondary, and he is... I always watch in this case when you're looking at speed is like how far out do they get from the defender and how quickly. Yeah. And it's like so fast and you just start to see this separation just Yeah, it get bigger and bigger. And that was the thing that I came with and was like, wow. There's also that one play on this tape where I think they're they're going from right to left. He goes, snap the ball to the left side, runs, and then he cuts back across the field, and he and then turns the corner once he gets like ten yards downfield, and he beats the entire defense to the end zone, and uh, and then just there's also a couple of swing passes that he gets where it doesn't seem like he's fast. That's the thing. He gets those swing passes, and he takes like two, three steps, and you're like, oh, he's gonna get tackled. All of a sudden, these guys are the defenders are trying to dive at his ankles, trying to get trying to get him down, but he's already high-stepping, and he's off to the races. So it's he's he's a no-frills guy, too. Like, the, the speed, it's just if you put him on an outside zone, he's just going to run along the edge on the outside as, as long as you seal it well for him, and he's just going to go. The only, the only qualm I have about his tape, where there are a couple times where you and I hate this with runners, is where they do try to do the high school thing where they kind of loop back down, like, backfield. Yeah to try and get that little bit more distance so that they can maybe gain a little more momentum and, and speed. That works in high school ball, but unless you're like an A-plus athlete in college, that does not work. It's one player I've seen at Cal been able to do that at, at the collegiate level. Deshaun Jackson? Maybe two. Maybe two. D-Rob. Mm, I haven't seen it. Okay, that's true. Deshaun, yes, was my the, number yeah, one. Deshaun. And then I second-guessed myself when I thought about Javid. Well, yeah. Yes. Those would I be the two. two. Yeah. That we've seen here. That's it. That's yeah. rare speed at that level. Yeah. I used to, Vic Horton used to do that stuff all the time. Yeah. And but he, then he grew up. Yeah. And just was like, I'm not. And you catch, you catch, you make the angle cut, and you go upfield. You don't yeah. try to get more distance and separation by dipping backfield and losing yards. Yep. You and I hate that. <laughs> all right. That's pretty much it. So there's one thing. All right. If we look back on this class, and I think it was you really did a good job of emphasizing it, but the biggest thing that'll change the tide of this football program is the the O line, and like even just as class as a whole, if we were to generalize it as the size, that's what we've been asking for in four years of. But Dykes really wasn't ever able to establish that, mm-hmm. and we had to build a system that almost worked. Against that, because we were always overmatched when we were playing UCLA, USC. Their size was super intimidating. I remember going to a USC game or UCLA game and just looking at their O line. I'm like, those guys are massive, and you just didn't come away with that with Cal. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really cool to have 
that level of, of size paired with the athleticism that we already have in the players we have. And then I expect that to kind of evolve over time too. Yeah, I mean, the O-line part is very interesting because you look at our team now, we didn't lose anyone off the O-line. So we bring back our entire O-line team, and then you bring in these freshmen and some of the guys that are on the current roster as well to push those guys now. Because you know Will Craig is going to come in and everyone's going to be looking at him because he was the highly touted O-line kid, and you know he's going to perform. So what does that do? That lights a fire under the starters, right? The, the returning starters, because they don't want to lose their starting spot. Who wants to lose their starting spot? Yeah, especially a little freshman. But the freshman is going to come gunning for those spots. So what does that do? Competition. What does competition do? It makes everyone better. And that O line is, I think, in my opinion, going to be straight ridiculous next year, especially with Greatwood coaching them. Whew. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. We're going to see a lot of fun running. It's going to be fun. Yeah. It's just a bummer that it's December right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. December. College basketball isn't that interesting right now either. No, we don't got to go there. We don't got to go there. We got baseball in a little bit. At least we get baseball. We don't got to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. You might not be. As an Angels fan, I am ecstatic for this upcoming season. Oh, okay. All right. So. No, we don't go there on the pod. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. We can talk about this on the side. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us. All right. We're good here. National winter. I don't know what we should call this. Winter National Signing Day? December National Signing Day? Early early Signing Day? Part one. Part 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 one. one. Part one. I guess part one. All right. That's it. We're good. That wraps it up for us. You'll find us on CaliforniaGoldenBlogs.com. And for all of your Cal needs, please just go to that website. Go Bears. Go Bears.